and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of interviewing different women, listening to and unpacking their stories. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's guest is Sarah Bishkoff. Sarah is a 20-something unemployed engineer living in Boston after being laid off due to the pandemic. Sarah started her own podcast called The Unemployment Podcast, where she navigates her career and job hunt process. In today's episode, we talked about her passions, which include lacrosse, engineering, and how she has been working on unpacking her own privilege and how she's using what she's learning to take action towards justice. Let's take a listen to Sarah's story. to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick bio, who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Yes, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks so much um, for having me today. So my name is Sarah. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, but moved to Boston, where I live now. Um, and I went to school um, in Albany, and so I went to school for engineering and design. So it was like a dual major. Um, I got to learn a lot about like the more of like the humanities and sustainability aspect, um, like that goes into engineering and like the technical things. And so I really liked that part of my major. Um, and pre-COVID, I worked in engineering, and I was just transitioning to a sales and marketing role at a small startup in Boston. Awesome. So um, before we get into what happened after COVID, um, let's learn a little bit more about your background. So can you tell us how it was growing up? Maybe was your goal always engineering when you were younger or did that change? Yeah. So growing up, like I just loved like sports and like hanging with my friends and traveling. And then as I was going and getting like more serious through um, like middle school and high school, I had no idea like what I wanted to do at all. We had to do like a, what do you want to be when you grow up presentation in seventh grade? Um, and like my friend that I was, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Like at this point, I want to be Britney Spears. Like I want to be a music <laughs> producer. Like I like I would like record my own songs and put them on iTunes in like circa two thousand and like ten, like ten maybe less. And so I just had no idea. Like I had no like childhood drive to do anything besides like honestly like play soccer and like I like that type of stuff. So then I ended up trying to figure out like what would be like kind of the safe bet. And so that led me to thinking that I wanted to become a biomedical engineer because I really liked sports and I was like, okay, biomedical, like, you know, like prosthetics and this and that. And I was always mm. really strong um, in school. I'm just like not the best test taker, but I'm a very like good, like the way school set up is really like beneficial for the way that I like to learn and stuff. So I was able to do well in school. Um, which like 
I was like, oh, okay, I like math and science. Like, this is kind of a good combination. So, yeah, going into it, I just applied for, like, engineering because I knew that would be also, like, a safe job market, quote, unquote. Like, it's not like my parents were engineers or anything. Like, they're not engineers. Um, So it's not like I want to do it because they were. I was just like, well, it's something different. Um, Like, it's a good field. Like, they need more women engineers. Um, And I like wanted to play a sport in college, which I ended up doing. And the place that I went to college, I could do that. So it was kind of just like that little storm that led me there. (laughs) Nice. So what sport did you play in college? So I wanted to play soccer so freaking bad, but I didn't like get (laughs) recruited anywhere for it. So I was sad, but I ended up playing lacrosse. So that was a good, and I, and I love lacrosse still. (laughs) Yeah, that's a. There tends to be like the similar people that do both sports. Um, well, where I live, mm-hmm. uh, soccer is in the fall and lacrosse is in the spring. So yes. you get people that play both during the year. And well, I mean that's great that you you got your backup. <laughs> your backup <laughs> sport was like good enough. You were good enough in it to be uh, recruited. So that's. I mean that's awesome. And so you go to college. You study engineering. So how was that experience being a woman majoring in engineering? Was there anything that you had to deal with? Because the sciences tend to have less representation of women. And even the women that are there, they have to deal with so many, so much um, misogyny in that field. So how was it being a woman majoring in engineering? Yeah, so the biggest like component was definitely that like I had my sports team because I went to school at a tech school. Um, it's called mm-hmm. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and so yes. yeah, it's it's a girl. Like, you're smart. smart. <laughs> it's a okay. We'll get into that. It's a seventy to thirty ratio, like men to women. But mind you, wow. I play on a women's sports team. All my teammates are engineers. I spend all my time with them on the fields and in study hall and whatever, and then you know, they're in my classes too. So to me, it was like the, the student wise, it was like that kind of finding your little community within like this tech school. Um, and so that was like really good and really positive because I was so inspired by my teammates who like were older than me and had this certain internship and it was great. Um, but then definitely like the classes and just like when I looked outside my sports team, like a class would be me and my two lacrosse friends and all like all other guys. That's it. Like all other white guys, <laughs> nobody else. Like, so you definitely felt like you were the minority being a woman. And um, also like professors, like I had mostly male professors and it's just like, I, um, like I went to our, I went to this good school. I went to RPI, but like, I really struggled with my grades. Like I barely made it over a 3.0. I didn't make it over a 3.0, like my first semester, which is like the golden like rules for going to the, yes. doing internships and all this. Like I was, my coach is like, like, are you trying? I'm like, yes, I swear I'm trying. Like I, I have a good work ethic from high school Um, like I'm just not like quote unquote, like good at this or like, I'm not getting it. I don't know. So that was hard because asking for help from like your all male TAs or your all male professors, like they just dismissed you as just like kind of being dumb. So that, that was really hard. Yeah. 
I can see that, especially, unfortunately, the assumption is if you have a scholarship for sports, then you never really were smart enough, quote unquote, to get to that school. But that's a misconception, especially especially at a technical school where you already you have to have the academics to back up the athletics. It's mm-hmm. not like this is uh, NCAA Division One like yeah. <laughs> major school. That <laughs> they'll just take whomever as long as you play good. You had to have the academics to back your admission into that school. But unfortunately, I think the combined um, fact that you were an athlete and a woman led to that stereotype, which I'm sorry that that happened. But how did you... So obviously you were able to land a job in engineering because that's what you said was your job pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So how did you um, navigate the post-grad space to get a job? Um, yeah, so a few different like factors I would say played into it. The first was that um, while I was at school, I added another major that I was really into and so by adding another major and like adding an extra year I was able to secure a bunch of internships um and also get that GPA up that everyone Mm. is like so intent on especially when you graduate like I don't no one cares about GPAs now like I'm a few years out no one cares but at the time you really need that so by adding like guess I guess it could literally be more work but it was more enjoyable so it was better I was able to have a bunch of really good internships and then um I was just like applying for jobs like again I it is a a very like um big market especially in Boston and there's a lot of jobs like available so it was just a matter of time before I kind of like got one um and yes. so that's kind of like the best way I can explain it. It was kind of you just were like, persistent. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't give up. <laughs> Did you get any advice from those older players on your sports team, especially those that were able to land really nice internships that you looked up to? Um, you know, they, I, I don't really know, like, exactly advice, like, to me, they were always like, they're, they're very successful. And I always felt like my older teammates were like, kind of fitting this mold of like, being a woman in engineering, like in the 2020, 2020s area. And they seem to like, do it with ease and be like, Oh, yeah, this is great. And like, even at my internships, I was always like, does anyone like, like this? Like, am I the only one that's like putting on a happy face every day, but like really Mm. miserable inside. Like I always felt there was a disconnect because I think my teammates were like really into the engineering and like it was the right career path for them. And I was more just like, well, I started this, so I'm going to finish it. Cause that's like kind of like the way I was just molded as a person. I'm like, I'm almost done. I'm going to finish, but like, I just don't feel that same like connection. Yes. And I mean, it is hard because you want to you want to match the level of excitement or passion that other people have around you. But um, what was the other major that you added on for that extra year? So it was called like design, innovation and society. And basically it was mm. like a lot more um, projects and a lot more like group projects where we actually got to like develop a product or like talk about um, the way like something was engineered in and then like how it affected like the community or like the different people. And it was a lot more like hands on 
um, and just like I guess more creative too. Um, yeah. So there's a lot more like my my style. Well, that's cool. I feel like because when you talked about it, even your tone changed. You seemed uh, happier to talk about that. So it's great that you were able to finish off your schooling in a major and and adding that major and you know it is extra year and some people look at it as extra work but you like you said it was more pleasurable to you and you had a little bit more um passion in doing that versus some of the other opportunities that you got so you you apply to these jobs you're super persistent you land the job so how was it when you first started working in the field um so it was like it was this weird combination of like, I finally did it. Like I finally like graduated from elementary school, graduated from middle school, went to college, played a sport. And then I got a job and I was, and I moved to a new city and I was like, Oh my God. Like, so what do I do now? Like, I just go, it's to like, job. The <laughs> yes. I was like, what do I do? Just go to this job every day for the rest of my life. Is this literally it? Like I had a, I had a like identity crisis and yeah it was like a very like big company and it was like a very kind of slow paced of like getting like started but I was like well I I did it like I just I need to just start doing it so I just go into the office learn things and just like start the job and kind of started to figure out other things at the same time like other things that I was more interested in Yeah, that's, I mean, so many people, their goal is, I mean, even from preschool, parents might, are now like super picky at what preschool, because if they don't go to the right preschool, then they won't go to the right elementary school. And then their high school will be messed up and then they'll end up in like, they won't be able to go to college. And it's Mm -hmm. like, the goal is graduating college (laughs) or graduating, or it used to be graduating high school. Now it's like, graduating a master's degree in some cases so that that's the goal and then you achieve this prize and you find the job if you're lucky and then it's like okay now what (laughs) like yeah all of your existence and your identity was centered around achieving this and sometimes people lose their sense of self along the way but you are lucky you had sports to be a little bit of your outlet Mm -hmm. and you had these creative internships to be your outlet but how did you balance now your identity as a working woman and, you know, outside of that nine to five job, who were you as a young woman in Boston, this big city? Yeah. So I really like went through a very like lost um, kind of like place where I would just, I like moved to the city, the new city. I like moved in with people I just met on the internet, like, and I, <laughs> I had like a few friends that I would hang out with, but a lot of like days after work, like I go to work, I, like I say, I put on these like certain clothes. I put on this happy face because I'm, I've got what, like a lot of people want to get that job and I had finally got it. So I wasn't going to sit around and be ungrateful for it. Um, but after work, it would just be a lot of like kind of sitting in my room, just thinking like, like, what should I like? am I happy? Like, what am I doing? Like just a lot of self time by myself and like self contemplation because like I I didn't have my sports team and friends to like work out with Mm. after work or this. And it was just like a ton and ton, a ton of alone time and just like 
sitting with myself and not having this booked schedule from 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. every single day, like in college. So it was kind of like a total like shock almost. Yes, it's a huge shift. And um, usually people rely on support systems. So did you have any supports like in your family or group of friends? You did talk about having a couple of friends that helped you through that rough patch. Yeah, so um, my family is super, super supportive. Um, they still live in Buffalo, and, like, they were really, like, proud of me. My parents were really proud of me for, like, getting the job, even though they knew it wasn't, like, the dream perfect job. They were just, like, again, like, very supportive and proud of me that I was able to to get it. And they're, like, don't worry. Like, just keep, like, showing up, and, like, you'll – it's just a stepping stone. Like, you'll figure it out and stuff. And then also um, the lacrosse factor, again, I was very lucky to have um, a youth lacrosse team that I coached. And so it's girls, yeah, it was girls like ages about 10 to 14. So like fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth. um, And I would coach them like my first year moving to Boston and my first job. So it was really great to like see that next generation and just like be inspired by them and they're silly and goofy and they're like that awkward tween years that most people cringe at but I'm just like give me more so that was really fun to um to do to like do and then also I like I'm a huge like Instagram like I like to go on it it makes me happy like some days I don't go on it because I'm like, this is just not like good for my mental health, but I really like it um, most of the time. And I found all these cool like people that I was really into. And I ended up like finding a life coach that I'm now friends with and like kind of started this almost like spiritual journey. And I like learned about meditation and I learned about the law of attraction. So I like got into all of that, like during that kind of hard dark times and had like that support group and that's like impacted me so much like especially helping with like the recent um like job loss and all that other stuff yeah let's talk about that so um when I like to say like March mid-March was pretty much when like for lack of a better everything hit the fan kind Mm -hmm. of at least in the east coast where I am also Um, And things started to shut down and people were hopeful, but also worried that they were like, oh, maybe this will be like a month, two Mm -hmm. months max. And obviously it's evolved past that. And by the time people are listening to this podcast, who knows where Mm -hmm. we're going to be at. But um, so what is let's talk about the timeline for you um, pre-COVID to after COVID and losing your job. How how quickly did that happen? So I had just started um, the new job, like it was downtown, um, like a total change of scenery. I just started in March. So I like took a week off that first week of March before like everything shut down. I like went to a concert, went to DC. Like I was like, I have one week of freedom before my new job. And then when I got back, I started the new job. And then a month later, they were like, all right, well, um, we don't know how long this pandemic's going to last. So you can expect to like see that we're going to cut like the sales team, like, um, like a lot. And then I was oh like, gosh. Oh my God, it's has like, there's no way that I'm going to make it through. And then like a few days later, they're like, yeah, like today, like right now is your last day. And I was like, okay. 
So it was like a month. So you basically, I mean, I even look at my planner. Yeah. Like the first week of March and we were all like riding high or even the end of like Valentine's Day. Yeah. You know, it was like a normal February and you're making plans for March and spring break is coming up and yada, yada, yada. And then it's like in the first two weeks that shift, that first week of March, it was pretty much like, oh, you're hearing rumblings about things that are mm-hmm. happening, but you're cool. The second week of March, you're, like, a little nervous, but you're cool. Then it kind of, like, by the end of that second week, certain states started to shut down mm-hmm. and things started to happen. And then you're, like, okay, well, we have, like, a month of this. And then a month later, it's still happening. And I think that's when the panic yeah. of companies and people started to set in. So yep. it's so funny. You actually did what I, I wish I always did when I started a new position or you had this like regular position when you first came to this company, but then you had a new position and you were smart to take a, a break. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy your, your freedom. But yes. um, who knew that that would then come again pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're like, you're in this new part of your job doing sales, more sales, and you're like so happy. And then first one in or last one in first one out. Yeah. So what did you do? Um, was there a possibility to go back to your old job at all? Or did you try to fight for it? Or did you just accept it? So I just accepted it. Um, basically, I was on a team. A bunch of other salespeople had also started, but I went on my little vacation and they, I think, just started right away. So there mm. was like two or three other people that were like my team. And we had all just started. We're like kind of becoming friends. And then we're like, then we all got, they got rid of all of us. So I was just like, there's no, I, I didn't even, I could barely be like, oh my God, I'm going to like do everything I can for this company. Like I was there for one month. Like yeah. I, I feel a lot, lot worse for people that like dedicated five years to like this company and they're like, like dedicating their lives to them and have, have had all these projects and then they like get caught. I was like, well, I was barely even here to begin with. So like, it was great time. Nice meeting you. Like, see you later type vibe. (laughs) At least for my, at least for my, like the way I took it. So what are some ways, because um, even if you have that positive perspective and, you know, you realize like, well, of course you've, you, the loss isn't as hurtful Mm -hmm. as compared to other people, but it's still a loss and it's still painful to have, something that you were relying on a job security. And then all of a sudden that's been taken away, especially given how hard you worked Mm -hmm. in school and you finally achieved this, this goal. So what was your, um, how did you cope with that mentally, spiritually and emotionally? Um, so I, (laughs) I did a few things, a few things I wouldn't do again, but, um, at first, like, because my my really good friend also got laid off or like furloughed on the same exact day as me and like she's my wow. she was one of my roommates um so we were both like just at my apartment with our other two friends like that was our little quarantine group and so we were both like well like let's crack open a bottle of wine like honestly that was <laughs> it was the middle of march we were like about to go to LA to, on like a vacation and we're like, oh well, God. we're not going to LA. Like, um, we're stuck inside. It's really cold and dark in Boston. Like, let's just drink some wine and like 
just kind of bunker down and just see where this where this goes because like we're like we have no idea what's going to happen so that was the first coping mechanism um would not recommend that for like a long period of time yeah (laughs) also like we were like well we don't we want to sleep in now because it's like the dream I feel like of like a late 20 year old without kids the dream is just like ah just sleep till as late as you want like no more 9 a.m calls you have to get to so we're like let's just sleep in stay up late drinking wine like watching all five all seven Harry Potters in like one week that was like the first phase of coping once once that got kind of old and you're like oh my god I don't really feel that well I need to like drink some water like let's figure this out then I kind of just got into a phase of like yeah I think just like the fear of the pandemic and everything just really like rose and you're just like I just don't feel good every day like mentally physically um but then what really helped me I think is two things like for I guess this last phase is that it started getting a lot warmer in Boston and it was nice out and I started like working out regularly with a friend that lives in San Diego and we would like every day FaceTime at 10 a.m. Eastern for like our workout. And so that was like a really great, I guess, like you could almost say coping mechanism, but just to get back into like sports, like she played soccer at RPI, I played lacrosse, like we didn't work out together. She lives in the, on the West coast. Like that was never going to be a reality until the pandemic. And now we're like, it's July, end of July. We're still going strong. Like, every single day except Sundays for our workouts and it was like the best part of my day um so after like doing that and getting my body and like mind feeling a lot better I was able to kind of like and the weather being nicer I was able to like just like kind of move forward with like hmm what am I gonna do for work career like let's kind of get moving on this yes I mean okay first same with the wine (laughs) um I mean, at first I justified it. I was like, well, I'm trying to support local businesses. Like <laughs> I would go to those mom and pop beer and wine places. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, this isn't healthy. And I, I mean, I'm blessed that I'm working virtually. So uh-huh. um, like it wasn't healthy and also probably not smart to do anyway. Like <laughs> while still working, but it was like, I mean, it was just a, a phase that I feel like many people shamefully or not shamefully mm-hmm. went through. Um, hopefully, if you're listening, you're still not in that phase. Please put down the wine bottle. Yeah. <laughs> um, unless, unless this is just like, you know, a once a week treat or something. But um, so, yes, I can understand like all of the initial like instant gratification, sleep, wine, maybe eating a lot or whatever people did to like initially cope, which you would do with anything it's almost like mm-hmm. a breakup right yeah like if you broke up with a significant other you would probably do something similar just to have like that instant gratification but I like how you bring it back to just being in touch with your body and being in touch with like your physical capabilities so many people have started walking because at the very least you can go for walks in your neighborhood mm-hmm. or gardening or you know hoarding plants which a lot of yes um or playing sports because your background is in sports as well so I really like that you found a way to cope that was healthy but also played to your strengths and you found a buddy in that process um what are some things that you've done a lot of people have had like zoom happy hours or 
weekly um, check-ins with friends, what are some things that you've done that you probably wouldn't have done if we weren't in this pandemic to connect with people? So, um, yeah, so I, okay, this is like kind of specific, but it's hilarious. I might, maybe I would have done it not pandemic, but basically, like I said, it was my um, roommate and then both of our significant others that we were like, uh, that was our quarantine. Cause I live in like a pretty decent size, like house slash apartment in Boston. So there was like room for everyone, like people working from home, whatever. And so we decided that we were going to make a PowerPoint presentation based off like those PowerPoint presentation parties. But we're like, well, that like, I don't know if I'm going to like do a presentation on some type of topic. Like we're going to have an X PowerPoint presentation, a guess the X. So <laughs> basically my other roommate um, and her boyfriend put it together for us. But the four of us sent in pictures and like descriptions of all of our exes and then my roommate shuffled them up and put them in the PowerPoint and then we all had little note cards and every time someone came up on the screen, we would guess who whose it belonged to, whose ex it was and it was so funny and so fun. Um so yeah, that was our take on the PowerPoint presentation that, yeah, I, I think quarantine was the perfect like kind of mixing pot to make that happen because it is kind of crazy, but it was really funny and fun. That's so funny. I mean, that sounds like a potential hot mess express. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is so funny. People have been like so creative. I, I've heard of people doing... um like survivor or like you know creating alliances and they have to like weekly challenges <laughs> for um the month or whatever like so uh-huh. many different um like creative things that people are doing especially like that like the younger generation just being like well okay we're in this situation let's make the most fun out of it yeah i mean bad things are still happening to people yeah. but we can find enjoyment in this like uncertain time then let's do let's yeah do it. so um so what have you done professionally to kind of help yourself transition out of not having a job basically you can't sustain not having a job forever especially yeah. as expensive as Boston is mm-hmm. yeah so um actually something that I finished during quarantine and I, I had just started it like early March was course the Coursera course um, the science of well-being. So mm. I really like, um, I don't have my master's. Like I said, I have that dual, but I like, it's so on my radar. I really wanted to be like, it's, you can be a graduate assistant. So I could be like the assistant coach of a lacrosse team and then like get my master's at the same time. But with like yeah. COVID still, they've canceled fall sports for so many schools. And like, it's just, it's not, I'm not going to bank on that right now. So just doing that class was like, kind of my first um re-step into the into like the professional development um and I and I definitely recommend that that class and then um I kind of just got pretty active on like I'm not a huge LinkedIn person because sometimes it just like makes it it's more of a comparison game than Instagram is to me like I don't care if I see some cute girl at the beach on Instagram I'm not I'm not gonna be like 
oh my God, I wish my, like I'm, my brain doesn't do that. But I go on LinkedIn and I see like my RPI alumni people like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't like, I just don't feel like I like it. So I, that's how I think how we, we even met, like just going on um, girl boss and networking yes. on there. I, it's so much more enjoyable. Um, and then also I, like I said, I worked for that startup and I've always really, really loved like that startup and like female founders, woman owned like niche. And so I started reaching out to a few like small business slash startups, like a few different apps. Um, cause I, because I knew the founders from just networking, like before just randomly like Instagram whatever and I ended up like setting them up to meet each other and like kind of doing this weird like consulting thing and then I was like well I want to just start a podcast so I can interview people like about what they did during quarantine so I can like go back when I'm 87 and be like oh my god (laughs) remember this and like have all these conversations so I like have just kind of a different um different different things every day, but those are some of the things that I've like been working on in addition to just like that grind of like resume application, interview denied resume application, interview denied. I've, I've done that plenty too. So. Oh my, I mean, I always say that applying to a job is a job in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's like a full-time job or a part-time job at best. It is so grueling and it takes a lot of tenacity and patience. I mean, you had that coming out of college, but I think the, the stakes are a lot higher now because yeah. the opportunities, you know, are not as endless and the prospect for the future isn't as clear. Um, and you don't really have, I feel like when you come out of college, if you don't have a job right away, society's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, like you can stay at home for six months or whatever and mm-hmm. kind of figure it out. Um, but now like you're a full-fledged adult so it's Mm -hmm. like that the kindness of not being employed even though we're in a whole pandemic Mm -hmm. um isn't quite there and that pressure is still there and so you kind of have to give yourself some grace in that sense but I like how you use like networking to help catapult your connections and help you in um just finding ways to make money and to increase your skill base during this um, pandemic. And let's talk about your podcast. So you said that you wanted to interview people about what they're doing during this time of social distancing or quarantine or whatever you want to call it. How did you come up with that idea? Um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't even exactly know how I came up with it. I'm trying to remember. But um I called it, I call my podcast, um, the unemployment podcast, making unemployment my job in 2020. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like funny. It's like, well, I'm, if you're gonna, if like, I'm going to be unemployed, like I was laid off. I'm like, let's just make unemployment my job, like whatever. Um, and I thought that was like entertaining. And then because I, um, like I said, I, I like like that networking that I like that virtual networking to begin with. And I was like, I'm having all these conversations with people. Like, again, my friend was also laid off the same day as me. And I was like, let's just like, put this on a podcast and see what happens. And it's been so fun for me too, um, that I'm just like, kind of keeping it going. Like, I'm not too worried about the different stats or like, 
having it be like making unemployment my, my job, like I'm not as worried about having it be like a full-time job at any point just because like I'm just not. Um, but yeah, and like kind of since like the quarantine aspect has been lifted with like things opening, now I'm just getting into talking to people um like i'm i had a guest on that's the episode's going to be out tomorrow that's on like meditation and then um there's another one on like health and food policy and there's one on the beer industry so it's just like things that i like and that are interested that i'm kind of just curating for a larger audience and it's been it's been super fun honestly i'm like i i like the work fun aspect and i'm kind of trying to hang hold on to that for future future jobs or future career moves and stuff like that. Yes, I think a lot of people even like you said, it's cool having these conversations with different people. But then also in those conversations and having so much enjoyment out of it. I'm like, okay, well, when whatever this new normal is when we get out of this, I don't want to lose the enjoyment and passion that I've discovered or mm-hmm. rediscovered in this time and like parts of myself that I've learned about that I've rediscovered. And also I think because we're kind of um, even though things are starting to open up, I think because we are in this, like we were in this lockdown situation, things that we might've ignored because of the grind of a nine to five or Mm -hmm. whatever schedule we created, we couldn't. And so I also don't want like issues like racial injustice Mm -hmm. or, um sexism in the workplace that are being brought to light to be ignored again and so um what are some things that you've learned in the turn in the realm of social justice that maybe you didn't know where you've like relearned or learned more about in terms of your privilege and who you are and how you navigate the workplace and society in general yeah so um i think one of the biggest things that i like guess you could say learned um is like specifically about like my institute um rpi and i i was always like in my place of like white privilege there but knowing that i'm a minority as a female so i was like i was like not focused on like those like racial injustices within my college because I was just like my blind, my like blinders were on because I was just like, I'm already feeling repressed. So Mm. now, um, um, a person like that went to RPI a few years, I think, um, after me was posting like all these incidences of racism at RPI and like tagging RPI official, tagging the athletics department, tagging this, this and that, and saying like, this has been going on and like, you've been always ignoring it. And I just like scrolling through um, their feed, just like open my eyes uh, like further specifically at my college too, to be like, what is this institution like getting away with? Like, what are they not doing? They, they actually finally fired for the first, like they, people have been trying to get this, this racist professor fired for forever. And they finally fired him because of, the incidences and then there was another um like incident of like racism with 
with girls on the lacrosse team that I never played with, but that were like newer girls that surfaced as well. So just like learning, like, and really sitting with like my white privilege and like knowing and learning about it. And then like taking action to my coach, who's the same coach that coached those girls that coached me and saying, what, like, what are you doing about this? Like what's happening with this? Like, this isn't just some, Oh, RPI general, this happened, blah, blah, blah. Like this is specifically about this team. This is specifically about the alumni, some alumni and current players. Like this isn't not okay. And like what's happening to me just to like, you know, contribute to the larger picture of like systemic racism. So that's just kind of like one example. I don't know if I fully answered your question. Um, No, I mean, you kind of did. I think like you talked about everybody can't, you have a specific role to play. Everybody has a specific role to play when it comes to combating racism, sexism, or any form of oppression that exists. And some people can speak their role is, the general like racism as a whole, sexism as a whole in society, in this country, in their state, whatever. But you also bring up a great example. Your eyes were open and you first, you recognized that your eyes were closed to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you you recognized that you had a blind spot and you didn't hide behind the fact that you were already part of a marginalized group in your school as being a female in a very predominantly male uh, school and major and all those things you 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 still chose to s- recognize your privilege mm-hmm. as being white and not having these experiences that students of other race had and then you took action I think so many people they are like oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening and then they stop mm-hmm. or they might get to the part like I have privilege and then they stop yeah but you actually took action and you didn't just take action and being like this is an outrage. I'm going to post about it on Instagram. You called mm-hmm. out the person directly and you went to that person directly and you you used your privilege to further the cause. And I think that's a perfect, very specific example of how um, recognizing injustice is not just the first step. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's very easy to be like, racism is wrong. Okay, well, so is murdering someone. Yeah. But like, are you going to stop someone from murdering someone? Like, there's extra steps to happen to prevent some a wrong to be done or to repair a wrong that's been done. And you gave a perfect example. I mean, that was just that's a very good example. And um, moving forward, do you think that there are other things that you could personally do to help further this uh, message? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I think um, amplification is definitely, like, not underrated by any means still. Like, just amplifying um, other Black people and people of color's, um, like, voice to be heard. And also, like, the, the level of awareness of, like, um, like, where, like, I'm putting my money. So, like, where am I buying products from? Where am I, like, investing Things like that, I'm, like, trying to to develop that, like, knowledge and awareness of, uh, like, transparency to support, like, to, if I'm going to support this brand, it's, like, what is the brand, like, doing as a whole? Like, I, I looked up, like, I even looked up, like, what, whatever credit, I just got a random credit card and was, like, okay, like, this is great, call it a day. And I'm, like, wait a minute, like, what credit card company is contributing to a certain campaign or like 
this and this, just like looking into things before like I use my money to buy things. Um, and also, yeah, just like to not, not like settle down when I, if I see, or when I see like other people or like other like groups on social media kind of like settling down, like to keep, to keep going and keep um, persisting. Yes. And just, you know, being mindful of where money, unfortunately rules a lot in society. And so you have a power to choose where you choose to spend your hard on money. um, Especially now in this economy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you are, if we all were like, okay, socially conscious brands are a, are growing and we want to support more of them but even the regular schmegular brands out there they mm-hmm. may not have like a one-to-one donation or something like tom's shoes yeah but they they're you look at their structure of their company is it diverse or do they just talk the talk but not walk the walk yeah have they um you know contributed to gentrification mm-hmm. or a harm of people do they really have a uh a lot of women or do they pay their women equally? I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the bare minimum, yeah. <laughs> the bare minimum in a lot of cases sometimes is what we're asking for. And so trying your best. And obviously, I mean, people have their issues with Amazon, but unfortunately it's very hard to yeah. like, you know, not buy from Amazon yeah. or buy from a company that isn't, um, doesn't have some history of being unethical Mm -hmm. but you can do your best with what you know and try to know more about it so I completely agree it's amplification but also awareness Mm -hmm. of how you spend your money and you know your time and all of those things okay so now is the part of the show that I like to call roses and thorns Mm -hmm. roses are good things that have happened um and thorns are bumps along the road so what's one rose and one thorn that's happened lately Um, okay. So one rose is that, um, I've been able to like escape, safely escape, um, Boston for the past few weekends, um, because it's like been in the nineties, which is like, this is a hot, hot summer. And, um, my, my partner lives, um, their parents live in, um, New Hampshire and it's like New Hampshire is like, they live right on a lake and it's just like, you go there and you don't have to see anyone else. Like it's very, like, I would consider it very safe, like socially distancing wise. So just being able to escape and go up to the lake every weekend has been amazing. I just like feel so refreshed and so like just jump in the lake and swim around and just like breathe fresh air has been so, so, so nice lately. Um, and then thorn, um, I guess just like keeping motivation, um, to like work on my projects and like keep going with like my career, even though, cause I don't really like to think like, Oh, it's stopped just because I don't have some like employer, like, that I'm making money for. Like, I, I still think mm-hmm. like, this is a part of my career. It's just a part that like, I'm, it's an, un, the unemployed part, like, honestly. Yes, and so yeah. yeah. Like just keeping like kind of motivation and like keeping my mental health, um, especially because um, the, like the COVID extra COVID relief expires um, like on this week, like the end of the, it's the end of July right now. I don't know when this is, coming out but it's it's ending and just like keeping my mental health and not like 
going into the media too much and not too little to stay like healthy but also aware and educated yes I mean hopefully who knows when this is gonna go up but hopefully you know maybe who knows yeah there's still aid or assistance who I I would ha- I would happily have what you just shared be incorrect because yeah. that's the case um <laughs> and you're like the second person probably third person that I've interviewed so far that's talked about going out to nature yeah. I it's either going out to nature or plants that have been the most popular growth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's so interesting that we're starting to like really, maybe we, we would have done this anyway, but I think we appreciate it more because we were told to stay inside. Mm-hmm. And so now we're like, we want all the outside and we want to bring it in, in the form of plants. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's, it's so cool. That that's such a common um, answer. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. And how can people follow along on your story? Um, so they can follow the unemployment podcast on Instagram if they want. Um, and then I am one of like the unemployment po- podcast follows me, Sarah Bischoff. So if you want to follow like more my personal info, Instagram's the best. And I'm always happy to chat with like other unemployed people. Or if you live in Boston, or like, like I said, I love just like networking or making friends with like Instagram people. So yeah, if you want more friends or whatever it is, I'm I'm on there. (laughs) Awesome. I will definitely leave that information down in the show notes below. So people can go ahead and follow the unemployment podcast and follow you for um all your cool networking and I mean what is your favorite thing to post on Instagram by the way oh I don't really know my my personal Instagram is kind of just like a blob of just like some (laughs) selfies some like concert pics like it's just like very basic but it it brings me joy I just like it's cute you know do it for the memories (laughs) yes I think selfies are my favorite now I have like this spot at my desk by the window and sometimes the light hits just perfectly and I'm like, well, got it. I got to take a selfie. I mean, hello. Yes. I can't waste this great lighting. Oh my Um, God. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. And while you're at it, find the unemployment podcast and subscribe to Sarah's podcast as well. And give it a good review so that other people can help can find the podcast and hear these amazing stories. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a great day. Thank you. Sarah is truly wise beyond her years. I love how candid she was about talking and sharing about her story, recognizing that although she saw sexism in her college experience, she was blind to the racism that her teammates and friends in her school experienced. She talks about once her eyes were open to racial injustice, She could not be passive any longer. I love how she has no pressure in her podcast and truly aims to make unemployment her job, as she says. Having listened to her podcast, she is just as easygoing as a host as she is as a guest. I hope you truly enjoyed listening to Sarah's story. Please take a listen to her podcast. I'll share the link in the show notes below. Subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it so that others can hear stories just like Sarah's. As always, I hope you have an amazing day in your amazing story.